One, two, three, four! Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride. My Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, where two guys in their early 40s take a look at some of the latest trends in entertainment and they quite possibly declare, I do not understand this. What in God's name is wrong with the world these days? Or perhaps if they're lucky, Instead, they say, wow, there is some hope for humanity after all. I am your co-host. I am Quizmaster Noah Tarno, founder of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show Spectacular. And with me, as always, is alpha grump and filmmaker Bill Scurry. I thought this was the Hoobastank cast again. Am I reading the wrong file? No, we, you are reading many wrong the wrong things, Google Doc, friend. I guess. Yeah. yeah, sorry to tell you. Sorry to tell you. <laughs> today, today, we are talking about something that is hardly new, but it is definitely newer to the pop culture mainstream acapella singing. Bill, do you know what the phrase acapella means? I do. I did some research. It's Italian for in the manner oh, you of did. the chapel. Yeah. Yes. Acapella usually refers to singing without any instruments. And of course, acapella, its roots go all the way back to the Middle Ages, when of course it was being sung in chapels, in churches, and some of those churches and some denominations, instruments were frowned upon, and thus people were encouraged to sing without accompaniment. Uh, in fact, Gregorian chants are technically a cappella singing. Now, most people in our culture associate a cappella with uh, the modern collegiate tradition. Uh, the first uh, known, I don't know if it's the first known collegiate a cappella group, but certainly the longest running are the Yale Whiffenpoofs, continuously performing since 1909. Since then, they have included. Cole Porter as a member. And um, side note, uh, Bill, uh, shout out to a good friend of ours, Ms. Katie Venino, who is a Yale alum and was very much involved in the acapella scene at Yale. She was in several groups there, told me many stories of how acapella is basically a religion at Yale, sure. as it is at many other colleges. And uh, acapella singing has had some mainstream exposure in the 20th century. Barbershop quartets are acapella. Doo-wop is a form of acapella, and both of those are kind of styles that just emerged uh, in more casual environments, whether it was barbershops or streets and cities, things like that. And then acapella has been a collegiate mainstay. I was briefly in an acapella group in the early 90s at Carleton College in Northfield, Minnesota, but it has exploded in popularity since the late 90s, and sort of a new style of acapella where many singers are uh, impersonating the sounds of instruments. It's reached a higher level of mainstream exposure in the 21st century. Century. The TV competition show The Sing Off pits various nationwide acapella groups against each other. There was a lot of acapella in Glee. And of course, uh, starting in 2012, the Pitch Perfect movie series, loosely based on a nonfiction book about national acapella championships. We both watched that movie Pitch Perfect. We both listened to some acapella tracks. Bill, tell me, what do you think of acapella singing? I'd like to read something off. I'd like to read a prepared statement. Okay, go ahead. Pitch slapped. The veritones. Din and tonics. Who's in treble? Logarithms. Undertones. SoCal vocals. Voices in your head. Rhythm and Jews. And Rensselyrics. <laughs> 
These are okay. just some of the names of collegiate a cappella groups in the United States. Uh, some some of these groups, the Whiff and Poofs, like you said, go back uh, over a century, and some of these are newer. And you can tell there's some multi-culty things going on. Like for instance, these semitically tuned rhythm and uh, rhythm and Jews. I would like to point this out that uh, I don't know the last time I encountered a punny uh, agglomeration of wordplay uh, in quite the amount of concentration as I have in the last week of looking at a cappella. Now this may be a, yeah. a consequence of what acapella does to the human brain or perhaps acapella is a result <laughs> of people who enjoy this kind of pun and wordplay i'm not gonna lie this was a rough yeah. slog i'm very excited to talk about it <laughs> i kind of feel like some of the things so far have had a, a weird complexion between the two of us because i've wound up enjoying a lot of the things I, yeah. ironically not know yeah. not knowing that i was going to be into uh, ray schrimmer or our hearthstone or, or the other cultural things that we've We've yeah. dipped ladle into. My first brush with acapella is probably the same for a lot of people, which is that bunch of white bread assholes in trading places who are at the tennis club singing acapella to their girlfriends. <laughs> and when Dan, yeah, okay. When Dan Aykroyd walks yeah, in right. in his pimp suit yeah. and saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, Muffy, Buffy, there yeah. was a mistake. I'm so glad to see my yeah. friends here," and they yeah. all kind of put frost on him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear, you, I hear. Uh, you sent me a couple of samples. I, I'd ask you for, hey, g- yeah. give me, give me the cultural hookup here because don't leave it to me to look yeah. up. So you gave me Die Prinzen, right? That was... Uh, Die, Prinzen, Die Prinzen, a German acapella group, yes, that I became familiar with in the 90s when I was in college, when I was in an acapella group. They were not collegiate. They were pop. There was an actual pop act. Yes. There are pop... I mean, uh, in the 80s, the Manhattan Transfer. I don't want to say they were big, but they, you know, they were successful. Sure, yeah. Not quite household names. Um, you know, there are many of those. In the 50s, there was some barbershop groups, the four freshmen, the four lads, groups like that. Doo-wop groups, of course. Mm -hmm. There are several reasonably high-profile musicians who have, if not done just uh, isolated acapella songs, some have done entire acapella albums, just as kind of these artistic larks. Uh, Bjork did, Petra Hayden did an entire album where she uh, remade the Who sellout as an acapella album. Uh, the Future Heads, possibly my favorite rock band of the last 10 years, did an entire acapella album. So it is out there beyond the collegiate scene. Now, it, it, do you not like it just because it's too dorky for you? Or do you just think this is bad music and fuck this stuff. Why is anyone listening to this? With most things, I'm never going to argue that the power of the craft, I feel like um, when people have vocal ability, uh, that's inalienable. That is something that their bodies have. Right. That's a wonderful skill, even if I don't get down with what they do. You know, Roger Federer is an incredible tennis player. I don't give a fuck about tennis, but you have to give um, all due uh, yeah. respect and uh, slack to what the guy can do with his body. Right. And the same thing with the acapella people right. here. The ones who sing, the ones I sampled, obviously they can sing. It has nothing to do with the, whether somebody's talented. This comes down to taste, as as always. And so it, yes. it is goofy. It's corny. It's so old-fashioned, and it's so earnest, right? It's like a Voltron made out of Oberlin <laughs> freshmen. There's such a rid- <laughs> ridiculous component to this that is filled with so many weird, soft aspects of American culture that I'm I'm really surprised. I have here in my notes, it, this is written, I wrote this down to ask you, why hasn't this form of art been rejected like so many other corny vestiges of yesteryear? I'm not crazy about it. I'm not going to watch the sing-off. I didn't love Pitch Perfect. I liked Pitch Perfect, and what I liked most about it was I thought the musical scenes were spectacular. I thought the audition scene with a medley of the people singing Since You've Been Gone was great. Putting aside that I thought they were well shot and well directed, I thought 
to a person, every actor was doing a good job. I mean, the movie had problems. It, it, it was tonally inconsistent, and the script needed work, but I don't think the problems had anything to do with it being about acapella. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to be into it. I'm not going to go to concerts, but I really don't see what there is to actively dislike about it. Your, <laughs> your Facebook review of Pitch Perfect was, this is an hour long, this is a two hour long Jimmy Fallon sketch, avoid it like Zika. <laughs> and I think you're being way too harsh on it. First of all, it is not a Jimmy Fallon sketch because what we talked about with Jimmy Fallon is is that wasn't about high effort. That wasn't about talent. That was about, hey, let me when famous people do silly crap that's amusing at your friend's dinner party, it's the greatest thing in the world. This was about talent. This was about hard work. You know, it's not like Pitch Perfect was a hit because it was Tom Cruise making a jackass of himself. It was a hit because it was basically unknown actors being talented, working their asses off. So I don't see that at all. Avoid like Zika. I mean, I know you. You like to you like to provoke people. But again, I just don't think it's that bad. Uh, you were saying this is so old fashioned. Why has this not been rejected? I do not think this is old fashioned at all. And I will tell you why, because like so many things that are popular now, it is a modern spin on an old fashioned thing. The 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 acapella we're seeing now is so different from doo-wop so different from barbershop, so different from whatever the whiff and poofs were doing when Cole Porter was a member, so different from the acapella I was doing in 1993 because it has the modern hip-hop influences, e.g. the beatboxing. You see this more in Pitch Perfect than you would see in real acapella groups, the high-energy dancing. There is a definite modern spin to this. Everything that's popular, in some respect, is an old template being made modern again. How many of these uh, EDM acts we're listening to are incorporating the sounds of Curtis Mayfield into an electronic template? That's what it's about. And they are taking something very different from that. They're taking a lily white kind of thing and giving it these multicultural accents, giving it these modern pop and rock um, styles. And another thing, yes, it's dorky. These names are so cringeworthily dorky and you watch the sing-offs and these guys look like fucking weenies and even the guys in Pitch Perfect look like weenies but you know what? Welcome to pop culture in 2017 the nerds have had their revenge this is the new sexy to so many women and it's the sexy I embraced in college I mean I didn't get laid but that's besides the point I don't think it's old-fashioned I think it is a modern take on old-fashionedness and you might think it's dorky a lot of people might think it's dorky but it's not even the dorky that bothers me you know because I can look man I read comic books and uh, not even good ones I still read dorky comic books but yeah it has to do with you know look kids kids love rebellious cutting-edge things you know which always bear bear a little susan of mm -hmm. danger it really still in spite of the beat boxing in spite of the CeeLo Green, it still sounds like the most conformist, soft 1950s culture that you could possibly recycle. You see, I would contradict what you said about all, you know, in, in uh, introducing new influences and new techniques and in, in a way to update the art form, because it almost sounds to me like instead of hipping up acapella, right, with Blackstreet's No Diggity, as they did in the movie when What's-Her-Name Anna Kendrick sang it, I feel like what you're doing is right. you're blanching Blackstreet and you're making it corny by co-opting it into acapella. Um, I'm seeing a passage through a membrane one way where it degrades the sound of CeeLo Green, it degrades those sounds, and it makes them instead this weird, corny, hammy, jazz-handy type performance, which just looks like, let's put on a show. You know, the thing that you said about Curtis Mayfield, here, I'll, I'll, I'll say Curtis Mayfield was never old-fashioned. 
Um, the big difference is, is that if you pull in something like uh, I get no kick from cocaine, uh, you know, that's old fashioned. But Curtis Mayfield doing Superfly, even today, doesn't sound old fashioned. So you could acapella it or or you can um, EDM Curtis Mayfield, for instance. And there's going to be something transcendent about it. But the types of songs that these people were doing, I listened to people do uh, Nick Jonas. They did Demi Lovato. The worst, Jesus, was these, ki- <clears throat> these kids, uh-huh. these cornballs did uh, Bicycle. Uh, Bicycle Race by Queen and it was just so, so hammy and I mean I wanted to like Orpheus uh, well, I wanted to descend and that's why I picked in particular Panic at the Disco and that's why I picked Gary Jewell's Tear for Fears Mad World and, and different arrangements of Florence and the Machine fair enough but what's wrong with doing as in the movie with doing Since You've Been Gone with doing No Diggity with doing uh, You Spin Me Round with doing Don't You Forget About Me I mean these aren't my favorite songs but these are perfectly fine pop songs. I mean, maybe it's the collegiate thing. We're talking about a lot of rich, overwhelmingly white kids. So they're stuck in a, in a bit of a bubble. You know, so what? You're, you're watching the bad stuff. I mean, most pop music is bad. Most of every genre of music is awful. Most of every genre of art is awful. Perhaps you're arguing that the awfulness has risen to the surface in acapella more than it has in other stuff. Just with acapella, again, it has to do with a taste thing, where if you're looking to divorce me from your content then put acapella in it just because there's no entry for me and actually i was prepared to take a mjolnir to this thing on the basis of that i assumed i absolutely assumed that there was going to be a class and a race thing here right that i was going to watch all of these things and see like you said lily white kids at private universities all through the Midwest and even some in the Northeast. What I was surprised to see was that there was a fairly polyglot mix of African-American people and South Asians and Asians and men and women, other than, you know, some of the groups are co-ed, some of them are not co-ed, but it looks like bad taste transcends uh, race. Bad taste <laughs> yes, it does. transcends yes, it gender does. or gender preference or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. All right, I will accept your premise, at least for argument's sake, that this stuff is incredibly dorky. And perhaps it has to do with, you know, I certainly believe that to generalize younger people these days lack some risk-taking initiative. And maybe the result of that is dorky guys singing dorky songs become fashion plates. There's room for everything. I don't have a problem with it. And you know my philosophy. I have this very Calvinist philosophy that it's about hard work and creativity, and that's the stuff that should be lauded, and the stuff that pisses me off, e.g. Jimmy Fallon, is the stuff that doesn't seem to have a lot of effort or talent behind it and just seems like a poke in the ribs. Mm -hmm. So I can't dislike this stuff because these people are being creative. They're putting a lot of effort into it. They're putting themselves out there. I mean, especially Pitch Perfect, the dancing. You don't really see that in acapella, but the high-energy dancing, is it's got a spectacularness to it that I love. Now, you, sir, I have gotten the impression, are genetically predisposed to disliking musicals. Yes, that's true. I suppose you're genetically predisposed to just like acapella. However, however, question for you. You don't like musicals, you don't like acapella, but you like karaoke. Karaoke is something I can do. Karaoke is, um, it's, you know, you it's virtual reality. It's a video game. The controller's in my hand. And it's not even about performing for the room. If I watched Steve Perry my whole life and wondered, what would it be like to be Steve Perry wearing that long circus ringmaster jacket with the huge tails? And you had that voice and you were there to command that crowd. What would it be like? And I realized I grabbed the microphone, mm-hmm. put it in my hand, and began to sing uh, Open Arms. I sound terrible. However, I'm breaking into the world of Steve Perry in some small way and getting some small bit of appreciation for what it is he it gets to do on a regular basis. Basis. Ah, but 
But you're talking about doing karaoke. Yes, not listening. Two questions. A, when you're at the karaoke bar, is it painful for you to watch other people perform while you wait your turn? And B, by that rationale, might you have enjoyed doing acapella if you had gone to a college where that was an offering, where that was part of the tradition? You know, if it's a room full of strangers doing acapella, yeah, that's that's kind of painful and tedious. If it's a room full of friends, then that's different because I'm on You board. mean karaoke, a room full of strangers oh, yeah, I'm doing sorry. karaoke. Mate. Karaoke, yeah. exactly. Um, the collegiate experience, like I had alluded to, my collegiate experience was less than zero. And I don't mean the Brett Easton Ellis book. I mean, my college was threadbare. <laughs> my college doesn't even exist anymore. It's now a Chuck E. Cheese ball crawl somewhere out on Long Island. <laughs> also, I mean, I wasn't a joiner in college. I might not have known what to do. But if I had any inclination towards singing, if I had any talent or capacity for it, I think um, there's no way, obviously, I wouldn't have enjoyed doing it. But it's such a weird, logic-bending question because I can't sing. And there was not there. So it's essentially a parallel universe. It's like going through Rod Serling's uh, imagination. Where are you now that I need you? Uh, so I think we dealt with the question of why is it popular. My theory is Revenge of the Nerds, you know, if I'm going to be a little negative about it, people want safer things. I'll grant you, it is safer. It's interesting safer. It's fun safer. Why do you think it's popular? I uh, I definitely agree with you on the safer part. And I just want to dispute, based on the videos I saw, that the, the dorky aspect was, was minimal, actually, because these... Really? Guys, well, these guys and these women are both so confoundingly attractive. The women are gorgeous. The guys all look like alpha male studs. They all have this um, very Adam Levine-type look to them. Yeah, all right. A lot of attractive people I also saw didn't see a lot of fat people, which always puts me off because I don't want to be a part of anything that doesn't have fat people in there. That's just the thing. Hey, Pitch Perfect made a point at it. I mean, the character called herself fat. Yeah, that was that was a really regrettable... Uh, it was a little again, forced, this, yeah. this is not a movie review. If it is, we'd yeah. be going in a different direction. But actually, yeah. uh, back to your point, though, about why this is popular, I will agree it's people want softer things. I can only keep thinking that it was like being bitten by a frog, right? They just have that one little tooth up front, and it's not doing any damage, but you just... It's like, what is this sensation I feel? It's like a gummy chewing. There's nothing really challenging to it. There's no new compositions unless it's de Prinzen who all their compositions were new a lot yeah. of it is that nostalgia culture of hey I like this song I like yes. it now too and yes. I, I don't need to do that I honestly have no need for the same pre-digested simple simple yeah. minds or uh, over and over again I don't need well, Demi Lovato I don't need to hear since you've been gone because we already have the originals and what I'd rather hear is new music that, by new people with new influences and that this clearly is not that that, that's an excellent point and something we've talked about in this podcast before is another reason might be we are living in the, in, the, in the culture of the remix and the repackaging, which is why so much of the regrettable culture is, hey, remember this celebrity? Here they are. And remember this song? Here's a parody of it. You know, whether it's literally remixing songs or part of what I do, part of the reason people are interested in trivia quiz games, because it's a way of, you know, reconstituting the useless knowledge in your head. Yeah, that might be part of it, too. The reference mm -hmm. that if collegiate acapella groups only did original songs, if the sing-off, these acts had to do original songs, it would probably be a lot less popular. Children are waiting for the day To feel the way that every 
Would you like it if you were a kid? And you're a kid at heart, so how do you feel about it, my friend? Well, I, I, you know, you could sort of say I did like it as a kid. I mean, I did acapella for my first year of college. I mean, granted, acapella wasn't on TV then, so I think the more relevant question is if Pitch Perfect had come out when I was in high school, would I have enjoyed it? And I think I would have. I think I would have thought it was a lot better movie than I think now. I think I would have thought it was romantic and inspiring, and I would have looked forward to being a member of uh, the Treblemakers when I got to college and, and using acapella to make myself into a rock star. What about you, Bill? Would you feel any different if you were a kid now? No, because, uh, again, it has to come back to that performer's spirit, and to perform was to put yourself out, and to put yourself out was to chance failure, and to chance failure was to chance humiliation in front of a group of peers. And for elementary and high school, you know, the, the, the group we came up with was the slack generation, for sure, just because there was this idea you were going to get harangued in a mixed environment. Now, Specifically speaking, my high school was the biggest in the country at the time. It had 1,300 people in my graduating class alone. So you had a microcosm of the planet Earth reflected. And so as much as I was in all the uh, advanced placement classes with people who were my intellectual ilk, there was no way not to co-mingle with everyone else. People wanted to listen to Nirvana and just not participate, and they wanted to point fun at and poke Uh, the people who did participate and uh, make them feel bad about themselves for trying. But beyond that, I can't sing. So, uh, and I've really had any interest in singing and I'm not a performer in life. So, no, I don't think I would have liked it as a kid. Also, not my sound. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. The locks is it's locked up and it's uh, sealed shut with uh, police tape. No one needs to go in there again. This is the popularity of acapella to enter the world in Bill Scurry's house. Oh, it, it's definitely a sign of the apocalypse. To your point again about the idea that people want soft choices. Anytime people go back to really retro grade and or um, old-fashioned things as comfort. And if you're looking back as a culture, that always feels really regressive to me. It feels reactionary. And this thing, it's hard not to take it in the spirit of our current climate, even if Pitch Perfect came out during the Obama administration. I feel like it has this sinister affect now that we're in the middle of, uh, as you say, the orange goblin. It's tough to see all these people looking backwards, turning around and saying, oh yeah, I really like singing uh, Cool in the Gang's Too Hot, you know, in an acapella style. It's like, rather than do something new. You used two terms. You compared it, first of all, you said sinister, and then you said it's emblematic of the orange goblin. Those both seem awfully hard terms, and I don't know if you've backed that up. What is sinister about this? I think to be middle of the road, almost like at its best, in my estimation, to be to aspire to middle of the road and to aspire to be the most toothless thing you can get is a way of dampening standards. And that's come up on this show, too, that you're essentially lowering bars over and but over But I don't... Again. See, here's the thing. I don't think they're lowering the bar. There's creativity. There's hard work. There's energy. There's showmanship. There's all these things that like Jimmy Fallon sketches are completely lacking. Do you know who else had creativity, showmanship, hard work, and effort put into who? it? Batman versus Superman. It didn't turn out good. A lot of people worked really hard I, on I a lot of bullshit things. I don't think any creativity went into that movie, dude. You might as well get drunk and read a Frank Miller comic, and that's the creativity <laughs> right there. A lot of smart people. Look, the people in craft services, the people in costuming. The people in craft services. The people in production, the front office, payroll, accounts payable. All those people busted their ass. A lot of people have worked very hard. You don't see those things on the screen, though. You see those things in the marketing campaign. 
you see the effort of acapella in the performance. All of the ingredients you stated, right? The idea that there's effort, there's recombination, there's spunk, there's energy, there's spirit, there's interest, sweat equity. I can't disagree with any of those things. However, those things never equal success all the time. No. There has to be some kind of alchemy that makes it good, and nothing about acapella makes it good. You have all the work, you have all the creativity, these incredibly talented kids, and yet their output is drivel. It's dross. It just <laughs> sounds like, like I said, avoid like Zika. I'll stand by that because okay. Zika's, you see what it does to kids' heads? It's terrible. <laughs> you should avoid it. All right. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're an aggravator, Mr. Scurry. Uh, well, I don't think it's the side of the apocalypse. I wouldn't say it's insipid or facile. I don't agree. I'm not, I think it's, you know, I wouldn't say it's great, but it's all right. I it's, wish I'd used those words. I meant to use those yeah, words. Yeah, right. Are you jealous of the guys on the sing-off? Are you jealous of whoever is the main soloist <laughs> in the Whip and Poofs in class of 2017? No, I, not. I'm plenty willing to cop to when I'm jealous All because right. I, I have no threat of um, admitting to jealousy. And I feel like it's one of the things that makes me one of society's great heroes today is to admit my jealousy <laughs> when I have You it. are one of society's uh, great heroes, Bill. But I would say in this case, no, it's not jealous. It's real revulsion at the type of, um, uh, at the type of, I'm not saying at the type of people who enjoy this, but the at the art form that's produced, there's just something really abhorrent about it. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with the sound of it. It has nothing to do with jealousy. It's strictly taste in this instance. Then I got to argue with you, dude, because the arguments you're making aren't about taste. By comparing it to Jimmy Fallon and Batman versus Superman, two topics we talked about on this podcast before, and I think we mostly agreed, those things, their main crime wasn't that they're not to our taste. Their main crime was that they're hacky schlock. Good point, yes. Batman v Superman, at least 80% of it is exactly our taste. We're superhero yes, dorks. that's true. Right? You're arguing it has a problem, but then you're saying, well, it's a matter of taste. It's not just a matter of taste. How about you that? You think it's more, so you do think it's more than taste. Yeah, it's lacking creativity, and it's it's also lacking a spark of originality. In spite of as much gigaws and bells and whistles that have been added to it, the In fact spite that, of that there's still a baseline hammy, hammy uh, toothlessness to it, yes. There's a total hamminess to it. There's a, and again, you don't like Broadway musicals, and that's sort of in the DNA of a musical is a hamminess, the jazz hands thing. That's sort of a religious question. You either love that or you don't. You're never gonna start loving it if you think it's bad. Let me ask you this, and you said in spite of the bells and whistles, have you ever listened to Bobby McFerrin? Uh, only in the pop sense, when he was on, uh, he was he was only, ubiquitous in 87 or 88, whatever it was. Yeah, d 88, don't worry, be happy. Bobby McFerrin is, uh, I'm no expert, but from what I gather, he's considered by a lot of people to be one of the most creative musicians of the late 20th century. Oh, no doubt, century, no doubt. In that his method of vocalization completely had almost no precedent. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so much of what he pioneered has been incorporated into the standard acapella repertoire in the last 15 years, since I was doing acapella. I mean, I did Spinning Wheel with my acapella group where I was playing the drums. To this day, when I hear Spinning Wheel by Blood, Sweat, and Tears, I, boo, 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 <laughs> I think of all that. What you see them do now is is far more than drums. They're playing guitars. They're playing keyboards. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, fucking triangles. 
How's that not creative? You keep talking about that, and everything you're mentioning makes me think of Reggie Watts, right? And Reggie Watts does all those things. Okay. All, all, Good Ra- example. Reggie Watts is a singular creative talent who is almost inv- yeah. not quite Bobby McFerrin-ish, but he is inventing his own sound. Whatever that little recursive box yes. he uses where he comes up with his layers and he, he folds the layers over like a phyllo dough. Uh, he's not right. the first guy to do that, for sure, but he certainly is the most flair of doing it, and it's certainly the guy who's made the most pop hash out of it, for sure. Uh, but there's something really new about it and also I think that uh, Reggie Watts is not necessarily aspiring to be, have this classical sense of ham the safety of doing these songs with these safe arrangements I think he's doing something that sounds jagged and a little more like performance art and which is that's how he started out doing performance art down on the lower east side right. and so I, I take it as being only similar in so much as hamburger and steak I don't know a rotted hamburger and a wonderfully cooked steak it's the same substance but what you do with it at the end has a lot to do with how it turns out. I still think you're mostly reacting out of I don't like this. It, it is not to my taste. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to agree to disagree. Oh, I mean, on no this no one, problem with that. Like I said, I really wanted you to tell me why you liked it just because I figured you could do a much better job of explaining to me rather than me try <laughs> to figure out. And I will say, out of fairness, you know. Your your dislike of it comes down to taste, and some of my admiration from it can be ascribed to not necessarily taste, but nostalgia, because I do remember enjoying it. I'm going to circumvent the apocalypse question for you, because I already know you don't think yes. that, but I have a very specific no. question, and it references the um, Trading Places bit. Acapella, yeah. for me, has always been associated with a cultural shorthand uh, of, of the upper-crust yeah. douchebag uh, bros. How do you separate that old-fashioned style of old uh, Northeastern exclusion well, that it was it was based in. How did you how do you get to a new appreciation for it, knowing that those are its that's roots? That's not who does it anymore. Mm-hmm. I bet if you went to Yale now, two thirds of the men at Yale are gay. So I bet if you went to Yale now, half the whiff and poofs are gay and or South Asian and or Jewish. Right. right? You look at these groups on the sing off, and they do have some some racial diversity. The fact that the outsiders, the non whites, non upper crust people took over. Mm -hmm. They took command of this. I mean, we actually see this a lot in higher education in this country. When you go to the Yales and the Harvards and these places where it used to be, you know, Buffy and Darcy and the Blue Blood, I mean, most of the top students of these places now are not those people anymore. They are the children of immigrants. They are gay, Jewish, not enough, but still a lot of African Americans. Well, not a lot. Not enough, but some, Mm -hmm. some, more than 50 years ago. My point is, how do I separate it? Because those people are old news, because that's the past. Interesting. It, they have been taken over. They are no longer the dominators of this movie. Well, you know what? I, so I could you. totally get down with that. I feel like, first of all, as, as you being a practitioner, not only are you uh, a member, you also bought the company or however it goes. <laughs> yes, right. But the idea that you are a practitioner of it, so this is something that you've actually engaged in, something you've loved. But also, I, there is a succession thing where you were part of the wave of people who were almost like de-waspifying this. And I could appreciate that. I hadn't really thought about that, but that's, yeah. that's something to consider. You know, if we're going to go into this realm. I mean, so much of the Trump brigade is a reaction to this, is as these people have seen their, you know, I am a white American man. I am the master of the universe. Well, not anymore. You know, the the immigrants are taking your jobs. They're better at school. I mean, they're the sports heroes. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think that brings us to the end of a rollicking discussion. I feel like we <laughs> brought this thing right in on target. So if you guys want to find yes. the past episodes, look to iTunes, SoundCloud, and now we are on Google Play and Stitcher. You can Stitcher. Stitcher. You can tweet us at, at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us at Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com and visit I Don't Get It Podcast.com. You can find me. 
Yes, indeed. At, at William Scurry. And very quickly, I will plug a podcast I just did. I don't usually do this, but I was on a show called The Wrong Reel with a guy named James Hancock. And we burned down about two hours of time talking about the f- entire filmography of Mel Brooks. It's a great conversation. So I suggest you go to wrongreel.com and look for that. I am the senior quiz master founder of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular, the nation's premier providers of quiz shows for corporate events, private parties. Lately, we've been doing a lot of bar and bot mitzvahs. So learn more at bigquizthing.com. And also, I am still doing my 2017 karaoke marathon. I am singing in excess of 400 karaoke songs this year to raise money for the American Civil Liberties Union. As we speak, I am up to 103. Well on track to beat 400. So you can learn about that at noatarno.com. Truly, I speak my heart when I say I don't get it. I don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2017.